Hosea chapter 14, verse 1, and it reads as follows. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord, and say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will hear their, heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as a dew unto Israel. He shall grow as a lily, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as a vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed them. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to learn from, to study to gain your wisdom from, Lord. Be with us now as we try to gain that wisdom now, apply it to our lives, and be with me as I try to speak that word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, as you can see, today we'll wrap up with chapter 14 of the book of Hosea. So we'll be finishing it up and hearing no objections, I guess. The next thing we'll go on to is the book of Joel, right? Unless you guys have any other thoughts of what you think is interesting or good to study. But uh, that seems to be where we're headed right now. But there's... Not a whole lot in this last chapter, so I figured we can cover it all in one day. But there's also good stuff in this chapter to look at. I think this chapter, what we really want to look at is uh, the call to the return to the glorious God that we have. If you remember last time when we studied chapter 13, last time chapter 13 talked again about the reasons for judgment. The reasons for judgment, right? Some of the things that Israel did wrong, and that's why all these bad things happened to them, right? And we read about how they put their faith in the stuff that was temporary, stuff that was fleeting, right? The things of the world, the things of the earth, right? When you put your faith in, faith in the things of the earth and worldly things, those are things that don't last. When you put your faith in God, we know that it's everlasting, Right? No matter what it is, all the gold, all the money, all the jewels, they're gone. You die, they're gone, right? Whatever it is, those earthly things that Israel chased after, good or bad and different, they were the wrong things, the wrong focus. The other thing that we read about in chapter 13 was how their focus was really caused by themselves. In verse 9 of chapter 13, we read that Israel hath destroyed thyself, right? They had led themselves into sin. No one was putting a gun to their head saying, worship these idols. No one was putting a gun to them saying, do these sins. Likewise, in our lives, 99% of the time, when we fall into sin, it is really by our own choice. We might make excuses to say we did this or that, but the reality is that we wind up in the trap of sin really by our own doing. We set ourselves up in the wrong situation. No one is holding our gun to our head saying, tell this lie, holding a gun to your head saying, steal this thing, or drink this alcohol, or do whatever. 
That never happens. It doesn't happen to me. When you look at your own lives, you will see that, hey, whatever it is, the bad thing I did, the sin I committed, was really, when you think down to it, our own choice. And recognizing that is our, is our step toward you know, solving that. That we have the control over our actions. We have our free will, right? It's our free will. We can do something about it. Chapter 14 is the call to return. It brings us full circle to where we started, right? Remember, when we started, I said, what is this book about? Boiled down to one word. The book of Hosea is about repent. Repent is the, uh, is the big theme of this book. He wants, God wants Israel to repent. He wants us to repent. Repent of our sinful ways. And this is the call for repentance. The call back to God. Verse 1. Return unto the Lord thy God. He wants them to return, right? For thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. That iniquity, now it's time to return, right? You had sin, it's time to come back. Take with you, verse 2, right? Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away iniquity and receive us graciously, right? You tell God, tell God to take away your sins, right? Take away your sins. And then what? In verse, number three, in, in verse number four, it says, I will heal their backsliding. Right? And not only was that true for Israel back 2,000 years ago, 2,000 some odd years ago, that they could turn to God and ask him to take away their sins and he would, they would be healed. We know it's true for us today too. Isn't it the same thing? Isn't it the same message? We repent of our sins. We tell God, take away my sins. And what happens? Well, that's how we get saved. Is it not? Is it not? Verse number three. Verse number three reminds us of something, of why this is possible. Why is it so simple that we just turn to God, tell him to take away our sins? Verse three says this, Asher shall not save us. We shall not ride upon horses uh, or say things like, uh, fast forward later in the verse, says, ye are gods, for, for indeed the fatherless findeth mercy. It says this. It rec- this verse recognizes that, ah, you save us, We return to you because you are our one and only God. Asher shall not save us, right? Remember, we've studied in this book many times, the people of Israel, they turn to other countries or other people in their time of need, right? They had problems. They're facing trials. Their answer was they wanted to turn to some other country. Maybe this other country can help us. Maybe their people can help us when really they should have turned to God. And in this verse, God's saying, you recognize this. When you turn back to him, you recognize this. These other people aren't going to save us. You can't just say these other things are our gods and they're going to help us. Those are for the wrong way, the wrong path. No, it is when we have the one true God, the one and only God, that what? That we get that healing. Verse 4, right? Healing their backsliding. Love. As anger turns away from them. And then we see from verses 5 to 7 a lot of beautiful imagery of what it feels like when we have that repentance, right? It's like what? It's like the dew. It's like the growing lily. It's like the growing roots, the spreading branches of the olive tree, right? The wonderful smell of, uh, of, the, of the wine of Lebanon, it says. All these things. Beautiful imagery is to represent what happens if you would just repent. If you would just return to God. 
That's the message. The message. Repent. Look. Repent. Turn away from all these idols. Come back to me. Here's the blessing. Right? And if you repent, what, what does it turn out to be? Verse, verse 8. Ephraim, Israel, would say, right? What have I to do anymore with idols? Right? When you get to that point, you say, oh, I don't need the idols anymore. Right? I have God. I don't need idols. Wrapping up verse 9, who is wise, he shall understand these things, right? If you're wise, you understand what he just said here in chapter 14. If you're wise, you understand what the book of Hosea, right? It's kind of the conclusion. This is the last verse of the whole book, right? If you're wise, you will heed the lessons of this book, this message that he sent out to people back then and to us today. This message comes to us today. So a few things about this chapter before we wrap it up, before we conclude it up, that I want to call your attention to as we uh, finish up. So he calls them to repent. Let's take a closer look at verse number two. Verse number two, it says, Turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. Step one in returning to God is to call unto the Lord, right? To talk to him. To say unto him these things, right? Says he wants him to return. He wants to say these things. God's making it really easy here. There's no mystery. There's a mystery of what you need to say. It's not just like, oh, what do I do, God? I want to repent. What do I do? He's making it quite simple. He says, say these words, right? Say unto him these words. A lot of times people are confused, even today, right? Like, oh. God, what do you want me to do? I'm so lost. I don't know. The Bible has the answers. What does he want you to do? He wants you to say this. Take away all iniquity. God, take away my sins. Right? Receive, me, receive us graciously. Take away my sins and receive me. Show me your grace. That's always what God has wanted from us people. For all time. Right? Isn't that true? Back then, he wanted them to repent and put their faith in him. Today, he wants us to repent, to say those words, right? To pray those words to God. God, I need you. I need you to save me. We turn to him. We got to say those words. We got to have it. You know, the other interesting thing about this is that the importance he puts on saying those words because really, that's the start. That's the start of our repentance, the start of our return. You notice, you notice, he didn't say, well, Israel, this is the secret. The secret to repenting is, first, you gotta put away your idols. You gotta burn down all the idols. You gotta put them in the stack and start a big fire. Didn't say that, did he? First thing he says is, you have to speak these words. You have to say these things. Why is that? Why is that? We look later on in verse number 8. Verse number 8 talks about idols then, right? When it says Ephraim, say, what, what have I to do anymore with idols? Well, how did they get to that point? They got to that point by first repenting in their heart, with their mouth, saying these words, recognizing their problems, and calling to God to help them. The idea being that, hey, you have to first recognize 
the problem and call to God for help. When you do that, when you do that, then everything else flows from that, right? It comes naturally that you wouldn't have to follow these idols anymore because you already recognize, I'm putting my faith in God now. I'm trusting in God now. You know, people recognize this truth today that we have to first be able to see our problems and to recognize when you turn for help in order to solve our problems. If you look at all these like uh, 12-step program type things, right? 12-step programs, uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, all these things, they follow these 12-step programs, right? And the first thing you always, you hear, the first step that you hear in all these programs, what is it? The first step is admitting you have a problem, right? That's why when you go to the AA meetings, the first thing you gotta say is, you know, oh, I'm Norman and I'm an alcoholic or whatever, right? Why they force people to say that? They force people to say that because if you don't, you're never gonna get to the final step, right? If you recognize the first thing, oh, then the goal is the thing that follows from that. God knows that. God can't just say, start burning your idols, that's step one. God's first step is you call out to me. You recognize me. Aha, once you say those words, it has meaning. You're on the right path to get toward that end goal of now I'm gonna get rid of all the idols. The words have meanings. You know, as parents, this is one of the things I try to teach the kids, right? That that's important just to even say things. You know, they get in fights all the time, right? My two kids, they get in fights. They hit each other, they fight over toys or whatever. And whenever they have these disputes, one of the things that we try to make them do, whatever it is, is you, you, you did the bad thing, you have to say sorry, right? And they don't like saying sorry, right? They think they're right or whatever, right? I was like, no, 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 we're not doing anything until you say sorry. And it's a big deal, and we make a big deal out of it. And sometimes they don't even like it. And sometimes you even hear them say sorry, and it's really grudging, right? Like you say, oh, sorry, right? Sorry I hit you or whatever, right? And they don't want to say sorry, but we force them to do it. Why do we force them to do it? It's that recognition to have that verbal to, to, to just confess, hey, you know what? I was wrong. It's so hard to say that, isn't it? Isn't it so hard to say that? Because our natural tendency is to think that I am right all the time, right? That's certainly what our kids think, right? When they're fighting, when they say, it's my toy, it's my toy, they both say, hey, this is my toy. Therefore, I'm justified in hitting you or pulling your hair or whatever, right? Because I am right. And human beings, we think that all the time. I am right. I can do this, right? This is my choice. I want to do. You know, back then they would say, I want to follow these idols, right? Today we have whatever sin is in our lives. I have this right to do this. I can follow, you know, this thing. I can tell this lie. I can drink this alcohol. I can do whatever, fill in the blank, whatever sin it is in your life or in whoever's life, right? That's the way we feel, right? I'm right. We have to admit that we're wrong. We have to come to God humbly. That's how he calls us to repent. Humbly to say, God, I'm not so smart after all. I was wrong. God, I need you. And that's how you get those blessings that we read about in verse number four, five, six, seven. All those blessings come from that. That first recognition sets us on that path of healing, right? Once we do that, it says, verse four, I, God's talking here, I will heal their backsliding. We're putting our faith in God now. It's not just me. Oh, I got to solve all my problems. God is going to help you 
solve your problems. You know, I know this guy that, uh, that my dad knew, he had this horrible eating problem, eating disorder, right? You know, he was like, you know, 300 something pounds, 400 pounds, you know, he would order one pizza and eat the whole pizza, right? You know, he tells us how when he used to eat chips, he'd open the bag of chips, and then by the end of the day, the chips is empty, right? And eat like that and become 400 pounds, right? And so he had this problem for so long that he went to go seek out help. And what he didn't, and what he learned from going to all these like counseling type things, right? Is that he never realized it before, is that, oh, he could actually turn to God for help on his eating disorder, right? He never knew, you know, he never thought about it this way, right? He was just doing whatever he did. Right? But he had gone to this thing and the counselor told him, well, have you tried praying about it? And turned, you, know, you believe in God, right? You know, I'm going to help you and all this stuff. And he did that. He turned over to God. And it was the thing that sparked him into changing the way he approached eating and doing it with this. And then he started losing weight finally after all these years, after years of like being like 300 to 400 pounds, right? He had cut down, he was finally able to control himself and cut down to like 200 something pounds, which is like shocking. You go see the guy and look like a completely different person, right? Like, oh, it was like you cut down almost half your size, right? You disappeared, right? But he is telling, he's sharing his story. He says, oh, I talked to this counselor and this is what he taught me, right? When you have God helping you, oh, it's like uh, easier, right? It's different, right? You approach it differently. And that's the way we approach, we ought to approach sin in our life. It's going to be hard. If we are especially wedded to sin, whatever it is, oh, I'm so used to doing X, Y, and Z, right? How could I ever change? I always do this, right? With God, nothing is impossible, right? When we have God, he's the one that gets us on that start of healing, with God, we know verse number nine, which is where we, we left, we're going to end off a little bit. It's who is wise? Who is wise? If we want to be wise, if we want to do the smart thing to solve our problems, what do we do? We understand these things he has said right here. We have to understand this concept that we need him. We turn to him. We call out to him. We call to him. That's why I think personally, I think, why did Jesus say we have to observe the Lord's Supper all the time, right? What does the Lord's Supper force us to do? It forces us to examine ourselves, to confess to him, oh God, I'm doing these things wrong. God, help me. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that when we are with God and we have God and that we're in his presence, that we don't feel like sinning, that we don't do something wrong? Isn't that true? Where do people sin the least out of the whole week? I bet you it is right here on Sunday morning, right? When you're here right here on Sunday morning, you're not thinking about lying. You're not thinking about, you know, doing people wrong or injuring other people, right? You're not thinking about drinking your alcohol or gambling or doing anything else. That's something that happened here. You feel sure guilty, right? If you went out and some guy in the hall and you started lying to them, right? Oh, I lied to this guy today. No, you wouldn't do that. Or if you stole, oh, I saw this kid, he had something I stole from this kid over here. You're not going to do that. Not in church. You'd be like, oh, this is church. No one does that in church, right? Yeah, I bet that's true for those kids too. For all those kids the whole week long, they might not think about God. But for this one minute when you're in church, oh, I might think twice before I do all those things, right? Before I say that swear word, right? I might be swearing at school all day long, or you guys might swear at worker. But in church, you might think twice before you say, oh, I'm going to say a swear word. Why is that? Because you know God is here. 
that God's presence is among his people. God wants us to recognize that we call out to him. We call to have his presence with us always. That's the recognition. We call out to him, God, I need you. God, be in my heart. That's what happens when we accept Jesus as our Savior, right? We have Jesus in our heart. When we remember that, when we know that, when we have that spirit of repentance, that should be a check on us all the time, right? It shouldn't just be, oh, I'm in church. I remember. Better not swear today. It's, oh, God is with me now. I know. I feel him in my heart. I better not swear. Jesus is here, right? He's not just in church. He's everywhere I am. I've called out to him. I've called for God to be with me. I've called the God to help me. I've called the God to save me. And God will heal us of those sins. And God is with us when we face those sins. And God's going to help us triumph over those sins. Because why? Verse number nine. It says, the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, and the transgressors shall fall therein. When we have this wisdom, when we follow God's wisdom, when we follow this path, the result is clear. The result is going to do the way of the Lord, going to those right ways. And these right ways, again, talk about chapter 14, this call to repentance. It actually sums up this whole book really nicely, right? All these other times, these other reminders throughout these 14 chapters that we looked at, all these times when he's saying, hey, Israel, you're doing this wrong. You're going down this wrong path. You should put away these idols. You should put away this sin. Put away this whoredom, this adultery, this X, Y, Z. God's calling them to do the wise thing. What's the wise thing? The wise thing is to turn back to me. Return. Say to the Lord. Say to him what? Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. That's verse number two. That should be the message. That should have been the message of them back 2,000 years ago, which sadly they didn't follow. Can we today, 2,000 some odd years later, say, no, God, we learned the lesson that Israel failed. We learned our lesson. We turn to you. We put our faith in you. That is the book of Hosea. Let's bow forward to prayer. Dear God, thank you for this book of the Bible. We've learned so much. We've learned your message of repentance, repentance, how important it is. It was important for Israel back in the day. It's important for us now today. It's how we get saved. It's how we conquer sin. It's how we conquer death. Lord, be with everyone here. I know we've all repented of our sins at one point. Help us to continue, come to, come to you with a spirit of humility to remember that you are with us. You are the one that will heal our backsliding, heal our sins, and cause us to live right and live in you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.